accompanying him on the final dash to the goal. The question was suggested, no doubt, by the thought that it was but natural that the positions of greatest responsibility and honour on such an expedition would be as a matter of course to fall to the white men of the party rather than to a negro. To this question, however, Commander Peary replied in substance, Matthew A. Henson, my negro assistant, has been with me in one capacity or another since my second trip to Nicaragua in 1887. I've taken him on each and all of my expeditions, except the first, and also, without exception, on each of my farthest sledge trips. This position I have given him primarily because of his adaptability and fitness for the work, and secondly, on account of his loyalty. He is a better dog driver and can handle a sledge better than any man living, except some of the best Eskimo hunters themselves. In short, Matthew Henson, next to Commander Peary, held and still holds the place of honour in the history of the expedition that finally located the position of the pole, because he was the best man for the place. During twenty-three years of faithful service, it made himself indispensable. From the position of a servant, he rose to that of companion and assistant in one of the most dangerous and difficult tasks that was ever undertaken by man. In extremity, when both the danger and the difficulty were greatest, the commander wanted by his side the man upon whose skill and loyalty he could put the most absolute dependence, and when that man turned out to be a black instead of white, the commander was not only willing to accept the service, but was at the same time generous enough to acknowledge it. There never seems to have been any doubt in Commander Peary's mind about Henson's part and place in the expedition. Matt Henson, who was born in Charles County, Maryland, August the 8th, 1866, began life as a cabin boy on an ocean steamship, and before he met Commander Peary, had already made a voyage to China. He was 18 years old when he made the acquaintance of Commander Peary, which gave him his chance. During the 23 years in which he was the companion of the explorer, he not only had time and opportunity to perfect himself in his knowledge of the books, but he acquired a good practical knowledge of everything that was a necessary part of the daily life in the ice-bound wilderness of polar exploration. He was at times a blacksmith, a carpenter, and a cook. He was thoroughly acquainted with the life, customs, and language of the Eskimos. He himself built the sledges with which the journey to the pole was successfully completed. He could not merely drive a dog team or skin a musk ox with the skill of a native, but he was something of a navigator as well. In this way, Mr. Henson made himself not only the most trusted, but the most useful member of the expedition. I am reminded in this connection that Matthew Henson is not the first coloured man who, by his fidelity and devotion, has made himself the trusty companion of the men who have explored and opened up the western continent. Even in the days when the Negro had little or no opportunity to show his ability as a leader, he proved himself at least a splendid follower, and there are few great adventures in which the American white man has engaged where he has not been accompanied by a coloured man. Nearly all of the Spanish explorers were accompanied by Negroes. It is said that the first ship built in America was constructed by the slaves of Vasquez and Dielon, who attempted to establish a Spanish settlement where Jamestown, Virginia, was later founded. Balboa had thirty Negroes with him as they assisted him in constructing the first ship on the Pacific coast. Three hundred slaves were brought to this country by Cortes, the conqueror of Mexico, and it is said that the town of Santiago del Principe 
was founded by Negro slaves who later rebelled against their Spanish masters. Of the story of those earlier Negro explorers, we have, aside from the Negro Estevan, or Little Steve, who was the guide and leader in the search for the fabulous Seven Cities, almost nothing more than a passing reference in the accounts which have come down to us. Now, a race which has come up from slavery, which is just now, for the first time, learning to build for itself homes, churches, schools, which is learning for the first time to start banks, organize insurance companies, erect manufacturing plants, establish hospitals, a race which is doing all the fundamental things for the first time, which has, in short, its history before it instead of behind. Such a race in such conditions needs for its own encouragement as well as to justify the hopes of its friends. The records of the members of the race who have been a part of any great and historic achievement. For this reason, as well as for others, for the sake of my race as well.